Yes, my God. You are here, O oh Lord. Enter into our hearts. Glory to our God. And may the joy continue increasing now with the presence of our sister Mary Luisa, whom we welcome here up front. Thank you, sister, for visiting us. Good evening, brothers and sisters. God bless you. God bless you. I am very happy to be here. The last time I came here was the day of the inauguration. You can have a seat, and now we are going to start. We're going to start the teaching because uh, every time I visit a church, I give a teaching, a sermon. The Lord, I, I remember 20 years ago, the Lord said I should travel to all the churches. He said, travel to all the churches and teach. Teach the doctrine. And I didn't quite understand. I didn't really understand the order he gave me. And I thought that I needed to do it now, immediately. And I remember my husband, Luis Eduardo, I told him if he allowed me to travel on the weekends, if he could maybe let me borrow a car. And because uh, the Lord said I needed to travel to the churches and to teach. Well, he was upset with me and he said he was not going to give me permission and he was not going to let me borrow a car. And so I, well remained quiet and I said okay well then it would all be in God's time nevertheless I kept that in my heart this order from God but unfortunately I ignored in that time I had not the slightest idea that my husband would die so soon because when the Lord gave me that order my husband died a year later and after he passed, I began to remember all of the prophecies and orders God had given me. And I always kept in mind that the Lord told me to travel to all the churches and teach the doctrine and to teach people. And so I began to do that. And I think, well, this is the job God has given me. This is the job God has assigned to me. And this is what I have done up until this moment and I have seen the triumph I have seen the support God has given as a result of doing all of these things and this is why this is the only thing I do to teach although in that time I didn't know what I was going to teach but the Lord he began to give me all of the tools he began to reveal everything and with every study with every time I open the Bible and every time someone asks a question the Lord immediately comes in to give me the revelation and to show me and he reveals the answer to me and well this is how I have been working all of this time throughout these 20 years that I began to serve the Lord in this manner. 
the Lord has taught me a lot of doctrine, but that's when I'm reading, when I'm in the Bible studies. Sometimes when I'm reading the Bible alone, I don't see anything new. I don't find anything new. It only happens in the moment of the Bible study. That's when I find the doctrine, and that's when I also learn. And when I'm asked questions, the Lord also gives me the answers. He tells me many things, reveals many things. And this is why in me, there's great security to teach, to speak, and to show something, to confirm a certain thing. I do so with confidence because it's not from me. It is God who gives me all of these things in that moment. And this is what I share with you. And as well, the most happiest moments in my life, they are here standing before the congregation teaching. The happiest moment of my life is when someone asks me a question and I have to open the Bible to give an answer. This makes me so happy. This makes me very happy. And I give God thanks. And here, when Paul, he teaches in the Bible, when it says that he visited a congregation, it says that he he would arrive and he would arrive to meet people that were mature in the word of God. But no, he found that everyone were still children and he still needed to give them milk and not solid food. And the apostle also taught that it was time for people to mature and to know the doctrine, to know how it is that they should conduct themselves in the path of God. For it was now time for them to move on from the principles and the beginnings when we come and we know and we and the Lord begins to speak to us in prophecy. And every single day in the beginning, we wanted to receive prophecy. Every single day we wanted prophecy. We wanted the visions of the revelations. And we lived preoccupied in that. And the apostle said, it is time to mature. It is time for you to be teachers and for you now to grow and to live a different phase in your spiritual life, that phase of maturity and being teachers so that you may serve God. And this is true. When I read that and the apostle said this, I said, well, the apostle is implying to people that they ought not to worry so much and ask for prophecy. What they need to do is advance, advance in deeper knowledge. And each person should have that knowledge and to be able to manage themselves and do everything with their own reasoning and not expecting that someone always be leading them by the hand. I always asked why. I couldn't understand these scriptures. But today, I understand them, brothers and sisters. Today, I understand. Prophecy is beautiful, and it is for first-time guests and newcomers. But those who have been in the church for years and have now acquired spiritual maturity, for these people... Better things are awaiting them, more profound things. And these people need to step up and become those teachers and teach and straighten others and guide a person with wisdom, with understanding and with maturity. This is what God wants from us. This is what the Apostle Paul wanted. And now I understand this, brothers and sisters. And I tell you, I, I don't ask for prophecy. And I give the Lord thanks because 
He puts things in me, in my being. And so I no longer ask for prophecy, but today I observe the doctrine and its profoundness and how to live a holy life, how to live a life to please God and doing God's will and how to live this life that we then are then led by God, that God hears our prayers, that the Lord hears us in the moment that we need him and that we may know how to live up to those standards with all maturity and that we may be able to direct, guide, and advise people who are coming to church and that we do so as those teachers that God wants us to be. This is what I have understood and this is what I am always teaching all of my brothers and sisters in all of the places where I have the opportunity to visit and to teach them that this is now the time to grow, to grow and to come out of our monotony and routine, to come out of that static, stagnant spiritual state in which a person is not growing but remains stuck in the same place. It's now the time for us as well to be formed as those great maid servants, men servants of God, those great men and women of God to go out and evangelize because the world is very great. There are millions of people in the world and they need God. There are many people, people in Asia, in Africa who need God. They thirst for God because they are full of different philosophies and beliefs. They have different religions, but God has never manifested himself and God wants us. This is why he's called us those who are now in the presence of God and who have now been doing this for 50 years. God now wants us. It's time. It's time for us to be those people, to be those prophets, to be those apostles, those evangelists, those teachers, and that they should be many, that every church should have many apostles, that every church should have prophets and teachers to have evangelists, and that we must travel and we must go out in the world and declare the word of God, proclaim the true word of God, and However little, brothers and sisters, however little they can do in Europe, the people, they arrive uh, from different religions, different religious backgrounds and beliefs, and people are marveled when they hear prophecy, when they realize God manifests himself to us. So people are very marveled and they say, God is with you. God is in this place. We need in my city, in my town, in my country, we need for you to go there. We have many people there who need this, who need to hear about God. And it is very sad to hear all of these people speaking and asking that we please visit them. And I share this with you, brothers and sisters, and this is why, this is why we must progress. And to progress in our spiritual life, we must we must lead a righteous life in God's path. I'm always preaching against sin, brothers and sisters. I'm always teaching against sin because sin, sin are those obstacles that we have in our spiritual life. 
it is true. We have turned away as people say, well, I have turned away from getting drunk. I've turned away from adultery and fornication. I've now turned away from murders. I'm no longer a thief. I've turned away from being a, a rude person and offending people. I'm no longer in arguments. I no longer do those things. This is what people say. But there are other things that do keep you away from God's presence, keeps the presence of God from our life. And it's, for example, the bad way that we live in our private life, in our in, in the most intimate parts of our life. For example, pride, lies, envy, gossip, criticism and complaints, discontent. All of that destroys the spiritual life. It turns us away from God. Being envious, being covetousness, being greedy, desiring particular places like first places, desiring certain positions. And so within the church, maybe perhaps complaining ensues and then there's envy with one another there's hypocrisy and there's that sowing of tares sowing tares among the believers all of those sins are what greatly destroy our spiritual life and they are what keeps us away from God and we need to fight to abandon all of those things, forsake all of those things. Because many times people say, I go to the church and the Holy Spirit tells me I'm doing good. He never speaks to me about sin or he never tells me I'm doing anything wrong or that I'm sinning. Well, the Holy Spirit is not going to tell this to a person because he is a comforter and he is inviting men and women to continue forward, to seek God, to believe in him, to trust in him and to devote themselves to him truly. And so the doctrine and the Bible, this is what teaches us that we need to remove our filthy clothing, our torn up clothing, and we must then put on clean and conservative clothing, but not physically. This is all spiritual. We must live righteously before the Lord. And we must be very careful. We must beware in the congregation, the devil is our enemy and the devil is always fighting against the church. And so the devil rises against the church and rises against the leaders of the church, the believers, the pastors, the preachers. He rises against us. And so all of us, if we were armed with God's armor, which is having values, it is having the spiritual gifts, virtues, and good qualities, and it is having forsaken all sin, leaving behind all sin, and we clothe ourselves with that power, well, then we will defeat the devil. We will always defeat the devil, and we will not let ourselves be defiled by comments or speculation or people talking and gossip and hypocrisy, we should not let ourselves be contaminated by that. But with doctrine, with maturity, we can say, 
Well, the devil is the one at work. All of this is the devil. We must pray and continue forward and not paying any mind or attention to all the things that the devil wants to do because he uses other people to go against other people. This is this is what the devil does. And so, brothers and sisters, we must read the Bible. Read the Bible and learn the doctrine. The Bible studies. I, myself, I learn a lot in the Bible studies because there are so many things that God gives and reveals and shows and I learn. And brothers and sisters, this is why I tell you, cherish this. Cherish. Cherish the fact that we are gathered here as a church. The church of God. The fact that we are gathered here as people who God has called to come and assemble and congregate and bring us to this congregation. Let us value that. And let us read the Bible. And let us put it to practice. And if we want to live a holy, upright life, read the Bible. And there we will say, well, I will read to observe what I should leave behind and what I should do. Because in the Bible, we find every example. We find all of the examples and experiences. They are in the Bible. And there we can choose. Well, I want to do this. I want to follow this example so that I can please God. I don't want to do these things. I don't want to be like this person in the Bible who did this because he did evil in the sight of God. I don't want to do the same. I want to please God so that I can receive God's blessings. And so, brothers and sisters, we have a constant struggle, a constant fight every single day of our lives. Every day we are fighting against those forces, those superior spiritual forces that are in the air that always come to persecute us and harm us to take away our blessing. And so reading the Bible is very important. And lately I've heard people say, well, there are religions who no longer read the Bible. People say that the Bible is obsolete, but our God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the same God who yesterday spoke to Adam. He spoke to Noah. He spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with all of those people. He gave them blessings and he also punished others. He made promises. He spoke to them. That same God, well, today, he will be doing the same with us. He is speaking to us through prophecy, dreams, visions, revelations. He works miracles, wonders. This is the same God and is the same God of the future. And so, in the end, we will be praying and asking our God to help us, that the Lord help us, that he give us understanding. Every one of you, you will say, Lord, give me understanding because a man or a woman who has understanding, they are those who fear God, who love God and seek the Lord and please and do God's will. And so if I live just gossiping and uh, raising slanders, well, then I am not loving God. I am not pleasing God. If I am speaking badly about other people, if I am lying and deceiving, well, then I am not loving God. And so this is what that understanding consists of. It is understanding, comprehending 
the way that we ought to follow in order to be close to God. And may God help us. May God help you all. And let us open the Bible in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to open our Bibles in Ephesians chapter 3. Where the Apostle Paul is speaking here. He is speaking to the Ephesians. And in his epistle, his letter, he wants to highlight that God has given him a ministry, a work or a role. Because ministry, what that means is it means work, a function, a task uh, of someone. This is the ministry. It is my work. It is what I do, the position that I have and what I need to work in. This is the ministry. And God gave Paul this ministry and Paul in a certain place he said that he was an apostle a prophet he was a preacher he was a teacher he was an elder in the church and so he he had many responsibilities great responsibilities his ministry was very widespread and he highlights that God gave him the work to evangelize the Gentiles in the time of antiquity. And we know that there were two different religious currents in the time of antiquity. There was the law of Moses for the Jews, and there was then paganism or idolatry for the rest of the other nations who were called foreigners or Gentiles. And God said to Paul that he should preach to the foreigners or the Gentiles. And he also told Peter that he should preach to the Jews. In that time, those were the two religious currents that existed for the rest of the people. They were idolaters. Each had their own God. But either way, in being idolaters, it was a current of idolatry and paganism. And Paul here highlights the work that God entrusted him with. Here in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, For this reason I, Paul, it says, The prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he had made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already. And so he says that by revelation, God declared the gospel of Jesus Christ to him. He shares in Acts of the Apostles, the apostle shares that he, he was, he spent two years away from all of the apostles and the disciples of the Lord. And in that time, God revealed the gospel to him. And Paul began to preach this gospel. He said that he did not receive it from any apostle, but directly from the Lord. And this is why he says in verse 3, by revelation, he made known to me the mystery. The mystery is the gospel of Christ. Verse 4, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ. 
as well was the gospel, the good tidings that our Lord Jesus Christ brought. He being the principal head, he being that chief cornerstone, he being the foundation, he, Jesus Christ, he was that hidden mystery that existed in the time of antiquity. It was Jesus Christ. And there the Lord begins to reveal his word, to preach his gospel and to speak to people and, and telling them to believe in him, to believe that he was the son of God. He was God. He was the way that would lead to eternal life. He was the only way. No longer would it be through the law of Moses. No longer would it be through any paganism or re religion of the world but it would be through Jesus Christ this is why it is said is the, it is the mystery of Christ now verse 5 go ahead and read and this mystery the apostle Paul says that in other ages, meaning from the time of Adam until John the Baptist, we could sort of say, throughout those ages, that mystery was not made known or the true gospel of the Lord was not made known to the sons of men, meaning to mankind. But it says, as it is now, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. And it was revealed by the Spirit of God. Now it says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. So they are now partakers. And we thank the Lord for he has chosen us. For had the Lord not chosen and elected us, well, then salvation, eternal life would only be for the Jews. But since they rebelled and as they failed God, the Lord took away that blessing. And God then, this is when he gives the opportunity to another people. As our Lord Jesus Christ said, I will make you jealous with another nation who is not my people. And he was referring to the Gentiles. And among those Gentiles, well, we are included in those Gentiles. And God, in his mercy, he says that he has raised us up or he will raise us up also as his church alongside with all of those Jews who have converted or who one day will convert to God. And so all will be one people, one church for the Lord. Now in verse 7, you can read, brothers and sisters. And so it says that from this gospel that Paul is a minister for, by God's grace, now verse 8, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, that hidden mystery that uh, speaking of the gospel of Christ, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. So God gave Paul that privilege 
the ministry to announce, to preach, and to declare this new phase that mankind would begin to live on earth, the new era, the era of the gospel or the era of the Holy Spirit. This is that fellowship. Now, in verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. A question that people ask, they say, well, who are those principalities? What are those powers? And so the apostle, he says, God has given him that felt that ministry of preaching teaching and clarifying all the things concerning the true gospel of our lord that so that this wisdom of god that manifold wisdom of god might be made known by the church brothers and sisters this is why i say we are all here by the calling god has made us he has made this calling to us all. God has made a calling. God has brought us here so that we learn, so that we prepare ourselves, and so that we may go out to serve God. That is what, or that is the reason God has brought us here and gathered us as a church. And so it says, His church will then make known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Now, these people... These principalities and these powers in the heavenly places, this is referencing many people in the world. For we, although we are, of course, physical, we are human beings, we are ruled, we are being governed by human beings, by a powerful human being, a supernatural being that is spiritual and it is our God. But many people in the world, they are being governed and ruled by demons, ruled by the devil. They are being governed by many evil spirits. And so all of these people, they need to know the true gospel of the Lord. They need to know the true word of God. They need to know that God exists. God is powerful and God ought to be praised and that God deserves the honor and glory. And the church is the one in charge of going out to the world and facing the millions of people in the world and speak to them about God, to speak of God's marvels. The church is then the one who needs to do this work. This is what he says here. It says he gave the church this ability, this power to declare the, wor the word to all of the principalities and powers. And so it's not that we are going to preach in spirit and we're going to preach to the, to the devil and to the spirits. No, it is to people. The people who are in the world, and in the world there are many important people, and they one day need to know God exists. They need to know that God deserves the honor and the glory, all praise. To know that God needs to be revered and honored, for he gives life. He is the one who gives everything, and if we live, we live because of him. And if this planet exists, it is because of God, because God exists. And so, this is what this is saying here, and I want you to read verse 10 again it says to the intent that now 
according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. And verse 13 you can read, And so it says, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you. Now, the apostle, he suffered many tribulations and people were discouraged and seeing how much the apostle suffered. And it says, which is your glory? For this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, meaning that we are strengthened by the spirit of God, that we are then strong so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, meaning the apostle is saying, if we reply to God according to his plan, that he has paved for us according to what he has for us, that his church be the spokesman, be the one to declare to the world and proclaim and teach God's existence and God's power, his manifestation. Well, it says we, we will be full of his power. We will be full of his spirit. We will be filled with all of the capacities, all of the understanding and all of the knowledge and wisdom. God gives us all of these things. Why? Because we will be here ready in God's presence saying to him, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me, Lord. I am ready and I am prepared to serve you. And so, Clothe me, Lord. Clothe me with all of this armor because I want to go out and serve you and work. Work in your vineyard to evangelize. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who does all of these things in us. But we too, we need to also put forth our own effort. We need to react, examine ourselves, and observe our life. Every single day we must examine ourselves and what we're doing. Are we doing things right? Are we doing things honestly, uprightly, sincerely? Or are we not doing it in this way? For otherwise, what God will do one day is, well, he will reject us, turn us aside, put us aside. But what we need to do is be those children who are obedient and wise and have that understanding in order to comprehend this teaching, this which God wants us to be and that we do for his service. And so that 
God's plan is fulfilled that his church would be the one to divulge his word and evangelize the world. And when all of the brothers and the sisters go out into the world, that they go filled with the power of God, with the abilities of God, with God's support. We say, what? What does it mean to have power? Well, when the Lord says, I'm going to give you power to cast out demons or to remove witchcraft. So we say God gives power. So what is power? Well, power rather is authority. It is the ability, a support and command God gives a person. He facilitates them. He orders them and says, you you go and lay on hands and rebuke for the demons will flee and the demons will be cast out. The uh, illnesses, diseases will be removed. Ask for petitions. So that's when God is making those promises. God is giving us orders. There he gives us power. Power is the ability or the authorization. The authorization God says, do this. This is what power means, that we have power from God. When I say I have God's power to pray for people, oh, yes, well, because the Lord said to lay on hands. And when I lay on hands, God acts because he has authorized me to go and lay on hands because he has facilitated me to go on and lay hands for he has ordered me to do this and that and he will do everything he will support everything and this we call power this is what we call power and so when we pray to God when you are praying to God ask the Lord first that he give you understanding right because men and women that have understanding, they are those who love and have fear of God. Well, that is the beginning of wisdom. It is said it is the beginning of all understanding. It is fear of God. Fear of God, it doesn't mean, oh Lord, oh Lord, save me. Oh Lord, I believe in you. No, that is not fear of God. Fear is valuing, respecting, obeying, pleasing God not sinning this is fear of god and those who do this well they are a man and woman who have understanding that's where they start off they understand the path that they ought to follow they understand how to live their life for god how it is they must behave for our god this is the understanding and so when you begin this path when you are now, you now have that understanding and you've understood the path of God and you know that you must honor and fear God and please him, God then begins to give you power, powers. He will give you many powers, not just one, but many. He says, lay on hands, lay on hands for healing, lay on hands to remove witchcraft, lay on hands to rebuke evil spirits, lay on hands for petitions, lay on hands for deliverance, for petition or desire of someone, lay on hands so that God may free people of danger. And so God is giving you many powers. 
He is giving that person many powers. Why? Because this person, the Lord says, this person is now prepared. This person is prepared to serve me. To another, he gives power and says, make decisions, go and teach, guide people. Advising or guiding someone is also a gift from God. It is power God gives as well. This is power. And when you are praying, as I said before, you ask the Lord and say, Lord, give me power for many things, Lord, because we need many things. I need many things. My brothers and sisters, my family, my parents, my friends, they need many things. And I would like to have power to pray and ask you for them. But now you know, brothers and sisters, in order to ask God for power, well, we must be honest and we must examine our current state. And so we must say to the Lord, help me, Lord, help me to change. Lord, help me to change because I have many flaws, because I am making many mistakes. I am imprudent and I lack understanding and wisdom and sometimes I make people look bad. I hurt people. I offend people. Sometimes I yell. And I lie, perhaps, and someone realized that I've, I've lied. And so all of this, Lord, please help me to change. Help me and remove all of these things so that I can be in good standing with you. And in this way, I am able to ask you to give me many powers. And there's a chorus that says, Lord, I want power, power, power. We need power to defeat who? The devil and the spiritual hosts of evil. And this is true, brothers and sisters. If you want, and there are many people who say they, they suffer and have different nightmares and evil spirits torment them at night. They can't sleep. They hear voices and they feel... Uh, panic attacks and so their family who goes to church they feel powerless and they do nothing why well they feel powerless and they have been in the church for such a long time and they're not capable of saying well I've been in the church for quite some time and I know these are attacks of the devil so I'm going to pray with power with authority I will pray from what I've learned what I've understood and what God has given me and what God has promised me and I will lay on hands upon this person and rebuke those spirits and that witchcraft sorcery those sicknesses that are or, or spiritual sicknesses but they don't do it no, well, I'm here, and, and they write down, what what should I do uh, with my family member who's possessed by spirits? What should we do? We don't know what to do. No, brothers and sisters, we must ask God for power. Powers. But now you know what the requirements are in order to have them. But as we do come to church, and there are people who say, well, I've been in the church for 5, 10, 15 years. Well, it's time. It's now the moment for people to have power or powers for you to have that support of God to pray for your people for your family who are being tormented by these spirits the majority of today's sicknesses they are just spirits causing these sicknesses and you need to have power from God in order to lay on hands and rebuke those spirits of sickness and so we need God and we need God to help us but we also must be sincere and we must 
Acknowledge many things before God so he may help us to change so that God may always be with us and that he may give us victory and triumph, that he may help us. Because if not, well then, what would be of us? All of life waiting for the pastor to help us? Oh, well, if the pastor's not here, he's the only one who can pray for me. He is the only one you can call to lay on hands. No, brothers and sisters, we all have this right. We all have the duty to now mature and begin to serve God and to have that maturity and that understanding to work, to work, not just with those who are close to us, but the day that God allows us to go out and evangelize. Amen. This, that's it, brothers and sisters, as a testimony I will share with you that in Florida, almost 14 years ago that I have been living in Florida, and when I first arrived, there was a hurricane, and I didn't know anything about hurricanes and how strong a hurricane is, and they are very strong. A hurricane is far scarier uh, and much stronger than an earthquake. And so I lived through a hurricane and it did not please me. I prayed to God. I would pray so much to God that day of the hurricane. I prayed and I prayed and like an earthquake, it usually at lasts six seconds. And I thought the hurricane was the same, that you would pray and well, it would cease but it was not so. It lasted all day. And so it was very strong and very shocking. And there was great destruction. And I prayed to God and I said, Lord, Lord, I don't want to live through a hurricane again because I would rather be in an earthquake than a hurricane. And I prayed to God and the Lord made me a promise. So the Lord said, do not worry. While you live there, there will no longer be such strong hurricanes as the one you've lived. And I share with you, brothers and sisters, that every year they always announce that there's going to be hurricanes and I pray and God veers them away. God veers them away and he weakens them. And this year, this year as well, there was a hurricane coming, very strong hurricane going to Puerto Rico first. And I remembered about the church in Puerto Rico. And I said, Lord, the church is in Puerto Rico. Please have mercy. And well, the Lord protected them because in the moment of its arrival, it didn't arrive. God veered it away. And later, later, it the, the hurricane continued in its path and it reached the Bahamas and it destroyed the Bahamas. The Bahamas, it was completely destroyed. It was completely destroyed. Many people died. And later, from there, it was headed to Florida. And so the forecast was that it was going to hit Florida. It was going to cover all of Florida, the hurricane. It was the largest hurricane that have ever hit Florida because the hurricanes that have come around, they had been Category 4, but this one was a Category 5. And so it was going to hit Florida. And so I prayed to God. I cried out to him and the Lord said, do not worry. Nothing will happen. It will be weakened. And so brothers and sisters. So I give the Lord thanks. Because this is praying for petitions. 
praying and asking God for certain needs and that God hears us. This is what we all need. We all need this, brothers and sisters. It is not just that it should come from the preacher. It is not just the person who is on the pulpit, but you, all of you as well. You have the right, you have the right to have this power. What would we call it? Or that God listens to you and supports and hears your prayer. And so, brothers and sisters, all of the weather specialists, those who forecast weather, they said that they thought it was very strange because, well, they're never wrong in their forecasts because they they follow the radar and the satellite that they have and everything that they say is exact. But they have always been wrong with Florida because the Lord is the one who has placed his hand to not allow these things to happen. And that is how... The hurricane, it began to veer away in the ocean, and it never even made it to land. And so I said, Lord, remember, the church is located throughout all of Florida. In all of Florida, your church is located in your children. So the Lord did not allow it to reach any point of Florida. And the hurricane was veered away and also weakened until it, it went down to a category one and it went into the ocean. And so God kept his word. And I share this as a testimony, but I also share brothers and sisters because you as well, you have the right, you are also people who God has made promises to. And God has great plans with you all, brothers and sisters. And so make an effort. It is not hard. It is not hard to make an effort. And it is not hard to win over God's heart, to win God's mercy. It's not hard, brothers and sisters. It is not difficult to change. It is not difficult or hard to see sin and not feel anything. I am not moved by the things that I see or hear. That no longer moves me because I want to please God. I want to please my Lord. And as he knows, I want to please him. So he hears my prayer. So why don't you do the same? You can do that. Do it and you will see how you too will win over that grace. And I share this with you, brothers and sisters. God is acting as in the time of antiquity because he is the same yesterday and today. And so if the Lord says that his church is an announcer and will evangelize the world. And so, brothers and sisters, you, you are those who need to do the work. You need to do the work. And so we must be in good standing with God and we must love God more than ourselves. And also our neighbor. What does it say? We must love our neighbor as ourselves. And so if you don't like to be criticized, well, then I won't criticize anyone. If I don't like to be slandered, well, then I will not slander anyone. If I don't like to be offended and someone to speak badly to me and to be proud and rebellious with me, well, then I will not do that with anyone else as well. This is what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you want to be well, if you want to live well, no one to insult you to no one slap you in the face, well then how can you go and insult someone else and slap someone? That's it. 
Loving your neighbor as yourself. That's it, brothers and sisters. This is what I'm always teaching the brothers and sisters wherever I go. Because we should never forget it. Let us never forget what God wants us to do for him. And so very well, brothers and sisters, now I'm going to give you the opportunity. If there are any questions this evening. Yes, sister. Good evening, Sister Mary Luisa. We are so grateful to the Lord for allowing this blessing and that you're visiting us today. In Psalm 83, verse 13, it reads, Oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind. My question is regarding these verses. A believer today may ask the Lord when someone humiliates him so much, may they ask the Lord and say, Lord, teach them, punish them, charge them. And I ask this because when Solomon asked God for wisdom, the Lord said to him, It's pleased me that you have asked for such a thing and not the life of your enemies, meaning like vengeance against those who have harmed you or that are your enemies. Thank you, sister. When someone harms us like this, and we're speaking of the people of the world who perhaps will hurt us in this way, we're not talking about people in the church. And maybe they're humiliating us or treating us bad at work or at school or in our business. What you need to do is pray and ask God and say, Lord, look at this such and such person who is treating me bad. They're humiliating me. They're yelling at me. They're envious. They want to have me fired. Look at all the things that this person is doing against me. Lord, please work your righteousness and please protect me from these people who the devil is persecuting me through these people. This is what we need to tell the Lord. Let us not ask for vengeance. Let us not ask for revenge. We should not say, Lord, punish this person and do this. No, we should not be vengeful, but rather ask God for for justice and say, Lord, please see what's happening. Protect me and remove this trap from my path in my life. Lord, help me. And so what the Lord does is he gives us victory and triumph. He helps us. But of course, yes, we must be very careful with being vengeful and saying, Lord, punish this person in such a way because the Lord knows how he will punish that person. That's what we do. And I think we have another question. Dear Sister Maria Luisa, for me, it is truly gratifying to speak before you. And I will read in Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Yes, brother. Thank you, sister. Yes, in verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Sister Maria Luisa. I know the Lord is hearing me at this moment, and many times I reflected upon this because we live for God, by God, to please Him, to change. But I said, Lord, if our church is around 50 years old, today is a great privilege to be part of it and to see you as an example that with just your prayer, it can bring forth a change in weather for a hurricane to go away for a person um, to heal because we receive deliverance due to your prayer. What if we were two, three, ten with the character and spiritual stature such as yours? We would change the world, perhaps help with global climate. But this made me reflect upon one thing, sister. 
It is that the devil would rise up against our church. It would be as times of old, when the kings by any means will come against the Christians to imprison them, for there not to be such religious freedom, whereas today, thanks to Mira, thanks to the foundation, so many things we are doing, many tools the Lord is providing us to raise up and protect this church until the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, my reflection would be, dear Sister Maria Luisa, what is wrong with us? Well, very good reflection, but also let us remember the following. The Lord Jesus Christ made a promise about his church, and he said that the gates of Hades, meaning the devil, will not prevail against the church. So, surely, maybe, the day that the Lord raises up so many prophets, as Ephesians 4.11 says that the Lord is going to raise up many prophets, evangelists, teachers, uh, within his church, to evangelize the world and to show with his power signs and miracles and so many things that the Lord will do so that people believe that God exists, not necessarily so that they convert because not everyone will truly convert, but at least they will recognize that God exists. And so, yes, persecution will then come, but the church will not ever come to an end. If some die, well, then the others will grow and continue living to serve God until the church is the one that takes takes command and rules. This is the promise God makes that he and his church will, will be governing and ruling. The Lord says his children, he and his children will be ruling the world. And this needs to be fulfilled that the world needs to be ruled by God and his children because God needs to show his power. He needs to show his greatness that he will be the one ruling. And so in the beginning, when the church first started, well, there were very few in the beginning, very few. And the governors, the monarchs of that time, they rose against the very few Christians that were raised up. He, They sacrificed them, took their life. But the word of God, no one will ever silence it because the Holy Spirit will continue to work in the mouths of others. And in the end, as our Lord Jesus Christ promised that his church would be until the very end, so no one will ever destroy it. No one will destroy it. Perhaps there will be tribulation in some children of God and some servants. Maybe there will be tribulation, but either way. What God has spoken concerning his church will be fulfilled, that his children will be the lords and masters and will govern the world. And this will happen. It needs to happen. But us, for example, now, well, we don't aspire to maybe see those days. Let's not aspire for that. But at least while we are alive, let us do great things for our God. Let us do anything we can for the Lord so that everyone else, our future generations may see our example so that they have this example and may continue forward. All of those future generations may fight and continue doing the work. And along the way, well, God will reward us for what we do. Let us continue forward. Sister, good evening. God bless you. I have a question in the Bible, if you allow me. Second of Corinthians chapter five, verse number one. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse number one. Yes. May I read sister? For we know 
that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we should not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us a spirit as a guarantee. Sister Maria Luisa, reflecting upon these verses, it came to my mind about some verses of the Bible where the heavenly places are mentioned. In Psalms it states, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. Paul the Apostle in another verse stated, There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And the Lord Jesus Christ also stated that he will go prepare a place for us in heaven. I understand, sister, and correct me if it is not so, that this spiritual body that Paul the Apostle was speaking of has to do with those heavenly places. And at the same time, it is our eternal life because reflected upon these verses, I also thought of an experience about Jesus Christ where the spirits which possessed certain men asked to be casted out to a herd of swine that were near because it is as they are tormented whenever they are not in a body. Where I said, it seems very important that the Lord gives us a spiritual body when we attain eternal life. Sister, that is my question. Well, just as you've understood that, well, the apostle here says that we have our physical bodies. It's earthly and it is destroyed because obviously it is physical, but the Lord has prepared for us a temple a tent, as it says here, in heaven, where we will be. Well, these are God's mysteries. For it says here that the temple of God is the church. That the church is his temple, and it is the heart of man is his temple. But we too must be in a temple. Now, if my body is destroyed, so my physical, material body is destroyed, then my spirit still exists. And God has, in another life, he has prepared a heavenly body. And also, he has a heavenly a tent, as it refers to here in the scripture, or a temple. And it's a marvelous temple where we will all enjoy and be happy with the Lord. And so this is what God shows in Revelation, what he has in store for us after this life. But here, when Paul says that if this if this body is destroyed, because he's also speaking of the persecutions because they were an object to the different persecutions and to take their life. Then he said, don't worry if your life is taken, don't worry because you are preaching Christ. And if your life is taken, well, let them not take the blessing God has given you and your spirit will be in the presence of God. And in eternity, you will rejoice in the Lord. This is what he also wanted to emphasize and highlight that with God, we have eternal dwellings. We have peace and joy. We will have also work to do. Many things await us 
things that God has yet to reveal, but await us in eternity. And this, well, this is the promise that the Lord has for us all. And so this is why we must fight. We must fight in order to earn these blessings earn the blessing of eternal life. Let us continue. Sister Maria Luisa, good evening. Thank you very much for visiting us and striving so much to protect our spiritual lives. Sister, my question is in Proverbs 21, verse 19. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. I understand that contentious and angry is as being bad-tempered. I know that majority of the sisters of the church are humble and are in happy marriages. Well, that's the hope. That's the hope. But I also know of a few sisters that nag their husbands and always want to control them. For example, a sister who demands their husband to provide them with much luxury and expensive dresses that he cannot afford. And they're in church? There, there are some people that share this with me, but it's the husband who's in the church okay. and not the wife. Not I, the okay, wife. I see. Well, well, since she's not in church, this is why she's so demanding. If she was in church, I think she wouldn't demand all of those things because, well, we know we must live off of what God gives us. But very well. Continue, brother. Thank you, sister. Mm, this is a sister that calls calls her husband every day at work to see if he is speaking with other women. And the husband is at the office and he has to speak with his co-workers. But she calls him a lot. And the other one, she criticizes him every day to the point that he is already scared of her. So then, Well, all of that we call materialism. All of that we call materialism. Materialism is not just wanting money. Materialism is living in the flesh. And what does it mean to live in the flesh? Well, to be jealous. To be jealous and untrusting. Untrusting your husband to see who he's speaking to, who he's not speaking to. Checking his cell phone to see what he's written. That is jealousy, but also that is materialism. Materialism is when I'm seeking my own benefit, what is good for me, and I'm occupied in that rather than praying to God, asking the Lord, asking the Lord for my marriage, for my husband, for my family. And so what I'm doing rather is almost on the prowl, on the attack. And that's materialism. And also uh, a woman who is contentious or angry or, or disrespectful with her husband, that's materialism as well because she is seeking her own benefit. She's materialistic because rather than pleasing God and saying, well, I will be patient, I will respect him, I will value him because God wants me to respect and value him and give a good example to him so that he does things well in our marriage as well. But you don't do that, but rather you want to resolve the problem on your own with your attitude. This we call materialism. This is why the Lord always says that we live in constant materialism. And this materialism pushes us away from God. Very well, brother. Continue. Thank you, sister. So then... So then, sister, my another question is... Another consideration, brother. Another little flaw. What else What else did you find out, no, brother? No, no, no. I'm already finished, sister. Okay, 
Sister, truly, truly, I am finished. He's run out of examples. Okay. But my question is, when a woman is so demanding and controlling, is it correct for the husband to obey her and listen to what she demands? Well, as it turns out, if both are going to church, right? Or let's say both cases, if yes or if no. Well, okay. Well, if both are going to church and she is contentious and disrespectful and rude to him, well, it means she's got evil spirits. She has evil spirits. And he, well, perhaps goes along with her so that they don't fight. So he goes along with her ideas and tolerates her. But if he were to be a, a bit more mature in his spiritual life, and if he were to be more knowledgeable of the things of God, well, with great love and manners, we'll teach her and we'll say, this is not right in God's eyes, the way that you behave. Remember, you are asking for the spiritual gifts. You go to church and you want God to bless us. Well, then you need to change your temperament. I can bear with you and I can have patience and I can surrender, but God is watching how you are acting and you're acting bad because you're not changing. Why don't you change and you ask for the spiritual gifts? This is what the husband should say. If he has doctrine and if he has fear of God and he is more mature, well, then he will teach her. He will say, how about you go to church? Ask for laying of, of hands so that those spirits of wrath and anger are removed from you. That would be the correct way of teaching. But if the couple, if she doesn't come to church, but he alone comes to church and she is outside, well, he needs to ask the Lord for her. Ask the Lord. And also, he needs to be a good example, good testimony to her so that one day she may come to church because she will come to church because of his good testimony. And so if he does give a good testimony, she will come to church so that she is changed. But if not, well, then he will need to have patience and pray to God so that God may help him to resolve the problem. And this is what he needs to do. Thank you very much, sister. Well, of course, I do want to say that we need to learn what materialism is. So every time there are questions like the brother's question, I take advantage to teach concerning materialism because we are greatly mistaking thinking that materialism was to think about money. But materialism is not just about money. But it's all of those types of behaviors. It is people's irresponsibility. There are people who just devote themselves to watching TV, movies, and TV shows, and on the internet. That's what they devote all of their time to. And they're lazy to come to church. This we call materialism as well. So each person is seeking their own benefit, something that makes them happy. Each person is seeking their own pleasure. And those who seek their own pleasure, you call them materialistic because people are seeking their own things to feel better. And remember, loving God is sacrificing yourself. It is doing God's will. Pleasing God is sacrificing our body. Now, it is said that we are a living sacrifice for God, where we must then sacrifice so many things that bring us joy or pleasure. We need to put them aside and not do them in order to please God. That means I'm sacrificing my flesh. 
That's it. I'm sacrificing my flesh. But those who do not, those who give free reins to all of their instincts, spiritual, physical, material, pleasures of the world, whatever it might be, they are materialistic because they're thinking of themselves and not thinking about pleasing God. And much less are they thinking about making their neighbor happy, those who are around them. That's it. Materialism. It encloses all of these things. And let's go with one last question this evening. Yes, brother. Good evening, sister. Thank you very much for being here. No one truly knows the effort given for you to be at another place. I send you greetings from the Church of Pastor Diporo, Santa Lucia, Candelaria, and here how we all await for you. I have two questions, one from the Bible and the other is personal. The one from the Bible is in... Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Yes, brother. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. I would like to please ask you, sister, to explain to us about this verse, especially the part that states, out of it spring the issues of life. Well, this is concerning sin. This is concerning sin and keep your heart from sinning now remember sinning comes from the abundance of the heart it says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks that is how you act from the abundance of the heart it comes to your mouth and from the abundance of the heart that's where your thoughts come to do things that are evil or things that are good and It says, keep your heart with all diligence. And so this is speaking about all the things that are forbidden, things that you should not do. So keep your heart from all of that. For out of your heart, for whatever is in your heart, well, your eternal life depends on it. Here this speaks and says, for out of it springs the issues of life. It doesn't say eternal life, but it is. It depends on a person living in peace, living well, because they are very careful and not doing things that are bad or displeasing because they are keeping themselves from doing bad things. This is what this implies, that you beware sin, because from the heart, the good and the bad comes from there. And it says it is better that the good come from the heart that life come from the heart because the heart is the generator it generates good and bad continue brother what is your question what is your personal question in certain occasions when i ask for advice from the brothers about something i wanted to improve on or about a weakness that i felt i had i don't know if out of modesty they told me that we all lack and my question is If that perfection, one may attain it at any age, or is it a path? Or how can we attain that perfection and at what time? And that is my question. Okay, so you've asked somebody, you've asked someone and said, what am I lacking? What do I need to improve upon? Yes, ma'am. And the person did not know, well, logically, they didn't know how to answer. And at certain occasions, I would tell them that I feel... And if you ask me that... I would, I would say to a person, well, you are the one who knows. You know what you're lacking. Don't ask me. You know. 
your conscience. Your conscience teaches you how you are doing things. How is your life? How is your marriage? Are you keeping up with all of the duties and the responsibilities in your home? Are you working for your family to for the sustenance of your family? Are you honest? Are you upright? Are you sincere? Or are you a liar? There are so many dishonest, lying people, and maybe they're not honorable. So we, we are the only ones who know how we are, who we are, our conscience. So that's it. It's simple. I can't tell anybody, tell me what else I'm missing. What am I lacking? Well, I can ask the Lord for that, but another human being, I can't ask them, but I can with God. I can say, Lord, tell me what I'm missing. What should I do? How should I change? What am I failing in? Am I, am I making a mistake? Am I wrong, Lord? Am I doing something wrong? Show me. Reveal it to me through prophecy or visions or dreams by revelation. Show me and teach me what I'm doing wrong because I need to be in good standing with you and I need to have the spiritual gifts. I need to serve you. I need you to be with me, Lord, and that at least you hear my prayers. This is what we ought to do. And so it is incorrect for a person to then say, well, we're, la we're all lacking. Well, no, we're all lacking. That's not it. We all need to set our life in order and we all need to reach that point of perfection for that is what the Bible says. The Lord says that the church, people in the church need to be perfect. Men and women of God need to reach that point of perfection in life. It is not after death. It is in life that we must reach that perfection. But perfection, and I've always taught the brothers and sisters, perfection is not like someone imagines that you are walking on air, you're not eating, you don't drink anything, you don't sleep because you're perfect. No. Perfection is having the ability in your being, having the ability in yourself to reject and to say, no, I do not want to sin. I do not want to do this. I won't do it. I won't offend. I won't humiliate. I won't lie. I won't take vengeance on anyone. I won't curse anyone because I do not want to displease God. So, I could maybe perhaps have wrath or anger or be upset, but I will control myself. I will not offend anyone because this displeases God. I will have patience. I will be silent. I will bear through this. I will continue loving and I will not hold any grudges or resentment toward anyone because I want to please God. When you have this ability to resist, to reject all of these negative things, well, then we can say that you are now in this degree of perfection. You are now initiating perfection and being perfect that now you have the ability to no longer fall into temptation or sin or evil and feeling envy against anyone or covetousness or greed or looking at people badly or you're no longer feeling wrath or anger against anyone, when you no longer do that because now you have the ability to reject these things and to now be a well-mannered, meek, 
modest person, when you are now this, then you can say, I'm now entering into the path of perfection. Glory to the Lord, because I'm no longer moved by these things because now everything's the same to me because I was offended, but I feel no grudge against anybody. I feel no anger. I won't take vengeance. I won't speak badly about this person. I feel nothing in my heart. And so you say, well, I'm now entering in the, to the path of perfection. And so when you are a person that has the capacity to rebuke the devil, to reject sin and temptation, the trap, the test, whatever it might be, well, then that is the path of perfection. Let us take a look at the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, it is said that he being God, he lived as a human being. He behaved as a human being for what? It is to show us that human beings are able to change. Human beings can be perfect. That is what the Lord wanted to show us. That as human beings, it is possible to be perfect before God. And you are able to reject the enemy and sin. This is why the Lord lived as a human being. And how was his life? Well, it was a perfect life. But even so... It's said that when he, the merchants were in the temple, he was very angry and he took a whip and he scourged them. And so people said, oh, well, the Lord was full of wrath and wrath is a sin. Well, it's not a sin. That wrath was not a sin because what the Lord was doing was defending the things of God and teaching people to respect the temple that in that time it was the temple of God. And so what the Lord wanted to do was rebuke people rebuke them so that they respect the things of God. Now, the same could occur to us. If someone comes to blaspheme or to be disrespectful toward God, we are filled with wrath and we rebuke that person and we will not allow that person to be disrespectful toward God. And by doing that, we are not sinning. And so let us observe the example of the Lord and you will see, brothers and sisters, we will reach that point of perfection. We need to be perfect. The apostles, Paul, he said that he had already reached his time. He had ended his race and there was nothing left for him to do. He felt as though he was a perfect man. He felt that he could dominate over sin, not practice it, reject it, rebuke and teach. That is what he did. That is what the apostles did. And the Lord Jesus Christ gave us the, the example and he said his children, the children of God, do not commit sin. And so the children of God, they do exist. They have to exist. And to those who do not commit sin, well, we can say that they are living a perfect life. A perfect life, just like the psalm says. There's a psalm that says, Lord, who will be in your holy mountain? Who will be in your holy mountain? And the Lord answers and says, those who have a pure heart, those who have not spotted their hands, stained their hands with sin. And how beautiful that is to be in that holy mountain. And this is what we're going to fight for. And we're going to ask the Lord for it. We're now going to stand and we're going to ask the Lord to help us to be perfect, that we be perfect. Why not? If the Lord says that his children will be perfect, and will be a testimony for the world and will be the preachers. They will be the ones announcing the word of God. 
Glory be to our Lord. Blessed, O Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. You, my Lord, you are a witness. You have been a witness of this evening, of the teachings, of the reflection of the word. You, Lord, you've heard us. And you, my Lord, I know that you are pleased because all of the hearts have been very open and willing and we want to learn and we want you to teach us for you to guide us, for you to correct us, advise us, for you, Lord, to show us what we are failing in so that you, so that you and your blessings may not delay or so that you may answer our prayers when we ask you, Lord, when we ask for many things in prayer or when we have many needs and we ask, Lord, in the nights of worship and we pray to you, we praise you. And we want you to manifest yourself with the Holy Spirit, with the spiritual gifts, for you to manifest yourself with the miracles and the healings and the wonders. And we want, Lord, for you to manifest and give us answers to many questions and many doubts and confusion that we carry in our life. Lord, we do all of that, but Lord, you are listening and many times you don't answer. Because, Lord, we are not prepared. Because we have let ourselves be carried away by materialism. Because we are distracted in the materialism of life in the world. And this is why, Lord, you listen to the prayer, but you do not answer. But we will continue to persist, Holy Father, because we are finding the path. We are getting to know you. We are just starting to get to know you and how you are and what it is you want and what is the path we ought to follow and how it is we need to do all things in order, in order to find the answer, in order to find your affirmation and blessing. Lord, help us. We do everything, Lord. We do all of this, but we're always waiting on you. For you to help us to understand, to comprehend, to know your ways and your word. And also, Lord, look, there are many people that are bound by evil spirits that do not allow them to reason, do not allow them to think sanely, and the devil has them chained and bound. They are suffering of many diseases as well. For all of this, Father, I pray for mercy. And I ask you, Lord, we, we are here before your presence, reflecting, meditating, and thinking of all of these things, Lord. But you are our God, God of love, God of mercy, our God who is almighty. You are great in forgiving. You are merciful, Lord. And we trust in your mercy and we are crying out to you. We plead with you, Lord, and ask that you extend your mighty hand, your merciful hand upon us all, upon all the people that are sick, who have incurable diseases, especially those who have uh, sicknesses of witchcraft and sorcery curses, that you may extend your mighty hand and may you deliver, Lord. 
May you remove all of these chains and break all of these ties. May you deliver each person, my Father. And also, Lord, that in your mercy, we pray that you listen to our petitions, that you listen to all of our needs. There are many needs and you know them. You know the work, the debts, our homes, our family, our food and family, our clothing, problems and issues and conflicts in our own families and homes and misunderstandings. I ask, Father, that you have mercy. You have mercy for you are so merciful. May you have mercy upon us and may you lift us up and may you give us new strength to continue forward. Lord, change the evil way we live and may you help us. Help us so that we may live a holy, upright life that you deserve, that you want us to live in order to please you. Lord, help us to do your will. Help us to please you, my Lord. And also help us to know the traps of the enemy when the enemy sets traps in our spiritual lives in order to make us fall and sin. Lord, help us open our eyes so that we may understand and comprehend the precise moment in which the enemy comes to place those traps and to steal our spiritual blessings and to place this restlessness and to take away the prestige of our life because the devil is always trying to destroy our spiritual life. Lord, help us. Deliver us and bless your church. Bless your children, your sons and daughters. Bless them all, my Lord, and extend your mighty hand. May you give blessings to each person, progress, triumph, and blessings to each in the spiritual and material. And Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to praise your name and also teach us how to seek your ways and to follow down this path uprightly. Oh, thank you, Heavenly Father, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. We pray all of these things, Lord, and take us back to our home safely and may you give a blessing to each person, Holy Father, and take away all hardness of heart and remove all darkness from the mind so that each may understand, each may know and understand your ways and your word and may be doers of the word. Glory to your name forevermore. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. The glory and the honor be for our God. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, brothers and sisters. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to you all. Many thanks. May God bless you greatly.